Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your presence. It's already in this place. And I thank you for the grace of the gospel. Lord, we are weak, we are vulnerable, and we are needy. But you are strong, and you are mighty to save, Lord. And you've come to live in us by way of your Holy Spirit. And tonight, Lord God, I'm asking that this would be a work of the Spirit. I have no strength, Lord. There is nothing in me to offer these people. So I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would take hold of, of, of me and use me to own, open your word and deliver it to, to open hearts, I pray in the name of Jesus. So I just pray, Lord God, for everybody in this place, Lord, that they would, they would have ears to hear and to receive in the name of Jesus. Help me to be clear and help me to be, Lord Jesus, centered on you in Jesus' name. We all said, amen, Amen. praise the Lord. Guys, tonight I'd like to talk to you uh, about, um, I'd like to read from Jeremiah chapter 8, the title of my message is, there is a balm in Gilead, Uh, open brackets, how how are you coping, question mark, close brackets, amen? Okay, so why don't we turn to Jeremiah chapter 8 and we'll start reading, amen? Turn, turn, rifle, rifle, very good. Very good. And while returning, I want to say this to you. Uh, the problem often isn't the problem. Often it's not the problem, but how we cope with the problem can be the problem. Right? It's true. Coping matters. How we choose to cope with the inevitable failures and disappointments in life matters greatly, doesn't it? It really does. Are you there yet? Oh, I'm going to start reading anyway, so you can just listen. Let's go. Jeremiah chapter 8. I'm going to read from verse 18. Now, just to give some quick context, the prophet Jeremiah is preaching to the southern kingdom. There has been a a prophetic utterance, a judgment uh, has been decreed against Jerusalem, uh, against Judah, against the southern kingdoms. God is sending an army, a nation from the north. Of course, we know that that nation was ultimately going to be Babylon. And uh, this was an incredibly sad time. Uh, The northern kingdoms had already been expelled. I think it was 722 BC they were expelled. Uh, And now the the southern kingdom, the bottom two tribes were about to be expelled as well. Uh, Anyone who's followed, who has read the, the book of Kings and the second book of Kings knows the northern kingdom had 20 bad kings. And the southern kingdom had four good kings and 16 bad kings. So judgment ultimately was decreed, and Jeremiah had unsuccessfully tried to warn the southern kingdom. So let's go here. Verse 18. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Feel the prophet's pain here. This is personal. These are his people. Uh, God is communicating his heart for his people through uh, Jeremiah, the vessel, Behold the cry of the daughter of my people from the length and breadth of the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? What a thing for the children of God to cry this way. Why, God says, they have provoked me to anger with their carved images and with their foreign idols. Verse 20, 
they go on. The people say the harvest is past and the summer is ended and we are not saved. Verse 21, for the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of my daughter, uh, of the daughter of my people, not been restored? Amen, Lord. Thank you for your word tonight. We're going to walk through this right now, folks. So walk with me here. Uh, I want to look firstly at the problem of discouragement, disappointment, and failure, and what it does to us, and the meaning we make when we start to go through that, the, the, where our minds stray, and that I want to look at the great glorious reality that there is in fact a balm in Gilead, and there is a great physician there. Amen? There's a balm and there's a physician. So let's go. Let's start with the problem. It's really spanning verse 18 to 21. The sin of idolatry of the inhabitants of Judah had led to a Babylonian invasion. They were awaiting captivity. From a faraway land, they questioned where God was. Have you been there? Question where God was. God didn't turn up during the harvest. God didn't show up uh, once summer had ended, if you like. God didn't show up when they expected. Have you been there? God didn't do what you hoped him to do when you hoped him to do it. And they'd reached an end of their hope. That's where they were. And look at what it says. The cry of the daughter of my people from a distant land. Is there no king in Zion? God, where are you? God, where are you? Something no Christian should ask. But let's be honest, we've all been there. Amen? We've all been there. We've been disappointed. We've faced the brunt of our own failures. And maybe in the dark and the desert places, we start asking those questions. The harvest is, harvest is past and the summer is now ended and we are not saved. In other words, they said, God, surely you would have come to save me by now. Surely you would have come to save me by now. I'd like to read a passage from a book called A Grief Observed, written by C.S. Lewis. We know that famous Christian author and apologist, and he was writing, uh, uh, this book is all about grieving over the death of his wife. And it talks about the feeling of being forsaken. And this wonderful author has made so many beautiful contributions to the kingdom of God. But listen to him here and you start to catch the mind frame I'm talking about. Meanwhile, he writes, where is God? This is one of the most disquieting symptoms. When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him. So happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. But go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face. And a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. 
you may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence becomes. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seems so once, but that seeming was as strong as this. What can this mean? It's dark. That, that was dark. I don't know if you noticed. That was dark. C.S. Lewis was going through despondency. C.S. Lewis was going through something. He was feeling forsaken. He was disappointed and discouraged and he was feeling forsaken. And folks, I want to say this to you tonight. Our hearts are healthiest in a state of belonging. The danger of failure and disappointment is that we feel abandoned and forgotten and orphaned. That's the danger tonight. That that, uh, disappointment can strip us of our sense of belonging. Sin, disappointments can't change our position, but they can change our perspective of God. They can change it. And I want to ask you tonight, are you listening to the voice of failure and disappointment? Disappointment distorts the character of God. That's what happens. Like the children of Israel, like C.S. Lewis, they'd gone through something dark, something difficult, and they'd lost sight of who God really is. And it felt, he felt forsaken. C.S. Lewis felt forsaken. He felt like he knocked on God's door and God had bolted it, double bolted it on the inside, turned off the lights and drawn the blinds. Have you ever done that to somebody who's not calling for you? Don't put your hand up, especially if you did it to me. Verse 21, those two words in the English, they both are wound. But the first time it's used here, uh, it says there's the wound of my daughter. For, my, for the wound of my daughter, of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. And that word means hurt, as in a fracture. Figuratively, it means to ruin a dream. Isn't that interesting? So the wound that the children of Israel were nursing was that of broken dreams, that of disappointment. That's where they were. And for Jeremiah, he was broken. His wounding was to be broken down, broken off into pieces, to be broken hearted. Jeremiah was broken hearted that the children of Israel were experiencing this, that the southern tribes were going through this sort of experience. You know, discouragement and disappointment, unfulfilled dreams have wounded many Christian people. That's the truth. We play it down though. We don't, we don't look at that as being something that can be grievous to the soul of a human being. A broken dream, but that's exactly what was going on here. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Their hearts had become sick through disappointment. Are you there tonight? Life rarely pans out the way you expect. And God is not tied to our time frame. 
He's not. Disappointments can come. God can move differently to how you want him to move, to the way you're hoping and trusting he'd move. When you do, you can be faced with the feelings of forsakenness and abandonment that C.S. Lewis and the Southern tribes were feeling. And yet in it, Jeremiah's heart is broken. You know, I want to say this. God wants us to share in his concern for the well-being of his people. Amen? It's true. To look again at our response to this type of hurt in our brothers and sisters, right? You know, I see more similarities sometimes with church uh, with a high honor culture. So there, there are honor cultures around the world and the way that honor cultures work is that their response to suffering is stoicism. When I say stoicism, I mean that British stiff upper lip, right? If you're British, God bless you. I have a British accent. We're on the same side here, right? It's true. A stoicism. Well, brother, God bless you, but you know, chin up, onward Christian soldier. Meanwhile, your soul can be sick. Meanwhile, you can be harboring genuine disappointment. And instead of treating that sort of hurt with compassion, like Jeremiah, we treat it with stoicism. Oh, chin up now. Keep going. We throw a few scriptures, a few platitudes. We don't really want to hear what's going on. Or maybe, and maybe it's just an Irish culture thing, and I love Ireland, and, you know, listen, I'm not beating up on anybody. But we are very good at comparing our pain to somebody else's. You want to talk about disappointment? I'll tell you about disappointment. Have you been there? Oh, you had a hard day? Let me tell you about my hard day. Oh, things are going tough for you? Well, I'm not even, I'm not even going to let you get your sentence out before I tell you how hard things are for me. All that does is push that person back into that place. Jeremiah's heart was broken for that sort of pain. God help us not to meet the disappointment of others with compassion rather than stoic indifference. Billy Graham said this, repeated disappointment almost always triggers a series of other reactions. Discouragement, anger, frustration, bitterness, resentment, and even depression. Until we learn to deal with disappointment, it will rob us of our joy and poison our souls. That's something, folks. That's something. We all deal with disappointment. We all deal with failure. And it can have such a ravaging effect on our hearts, on our view of God. And often we have to navigate those feelings alone. And look here in, verse 40, in chapter 46, verse 11. God says to them, go up to Gilead and take balm. For in vain you have used many medicines and there's no healing for you. It's so interesting. And I'm, listen, I'm not talking about actual medicine. Please go to a pharmacy, go to a doctor, get a prescription. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about how we deal with physical maladies here. I'm talking about how we soothe those feelings in what they believed was the absence of God. They turn to everything else for comfort. Am I talking to somebody tonight? 
Every, we turn to something else. You know, I, I, I grew up, uh, I'm still growing up. I did some of my growing up in the 90s. I loved uh, Nirvana. I may even know a few licks if you hand me a guitar. In Smells Like Teen Spirit, Kurt Cobain says the immortal line, here we are now, entertain us. And it's so funny in that place, we can start to get that sort of mentality. Well, Lord, I'm here. I don't know where you are. I don't know if you really see me. I don't know if you're even coming. Here we, here we are now. Entertain us. And we start looking for coping mechanisms. Ways to numb what God wants to heal. Ways to just numb and distract from what God has promised to deliver us from. Coping mechanisms. How we deal with the deeper pain that can come from sin and failure and disappointment matters. Let me ask you tonight, how are you coping? How are you trying to soothe your soul? That call to go to Gilead and get a balm is interesting. We're gonna get right into that soon. But balms were medicinal. And the point of a balm was, was to heal. The balm in Gilead was sort of like an aloe vera. It was for healing properties. It had healing and soothing properties. And God said, you need to go to Gilead and get a balm rather than running around trying to soothe yourself. How do we turn for relief? Where do we turn for relief when God keeps us waiting? It's a good question. It's a good question tonight. When God's deliverance doesn't happen when we expect, how do we cope with disappointment? Can we talk about our coping mechanisms? Can we talk about screen time tonight? We can't. No problem. God bless you. I'm the chiefest offender. If I told you how long I spend streaming a day, I don't think you'd ever look me in the eye again. I won't. Oh no, I won't. 40 minutes. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Listen to this. And I want to ask you just before I tell you this, I want to say this to you. What about coping mechanisms? How are you coping? I want to say right now, categorically, there are no magic bullets. There are no quick fixes. Where do we turn for comfort when we face attack, when we deal with negativity, when we're left with wounds in our hearts, when we're wounded? Look at screens. There's a good argument to say that our screens do most of the discipling in our lives. Let me show you why. Far more effectively than a lot of churches, and it's not the church's fault. Whereas the average churchgoer might watch a single 30-minute sermon every seven days, means you're blessed folks you get more than that amen isn't it wonderful you could yeah <laughs> the typical social media user spends more than a thousand minutes on social media platforms each week that's a lot of time numbing and being distracted junk food junk tv junk relationships i've been guilty of all of them where do we go for our sense of security, identity, when we face threats? That leaning on it, it means to find rest or relief or comfort. What provides short-term relief for you and for me, but long-term bondage? That's the problem, isn't it? Watching something on Netflix is fine, 
but spending your life on Netflix isn't okay. And these things seem benign in the short term, but in the long term, they lead to leanness of soul. It doesn't deliver us. It just numbs us. That's a difference. There's a distinction. Escape is not the same as deliverance. Distraction is not deliverance. And these things promise what only God can deliver. Healing and true rest. Only God can deliver these things. In Isaiah 10, 20, the Lord promises his people that they will no longer lean on these sorts of quick fixes, but on him in truth. In other words, God is saying tonight, I'll fix your coping mechanisms. Hallelujah. He's telling us tonight, I am how you cope when you're dealing with pain and when you're dealing with discouragement and disappointment and the effects of sin. And verse 22, the question is asked, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Folks, so many Christians walk around with these sorts of wounds and as bad as they are, they are not all necessary. So many Christians suffer unnecessarily. They deal with anxiety and fear and insecurity. Some even root their, tra- their identity in trauma as if there is no solution. But there is a solution. Hallelujah. Oh, we're come on, church. There is a solution. We are so good at justifying these things. Well, I'm just an anxious person. It's just how I'm wired. Do you know social anxiety is on the rise in the church? not just in the world. A recent poll, I think it's, it was a lot of pastors were asked, one in four say that they suffer from social anxiety. That's amazing. That's indicative of the culture we're living in, the pressures we deal with. But we are so quick to justify what God says in his word, he can heal. That's amazing. That's amazing. So many of us live under the voice of disappointment and failure. We live under the voice of those things. We live like orphans. Yet there's power. There's a balm in Gilead. There is a physician there. Smith Wigglesworth said this, God's word never fails. He will always heal you if you dare to believe in him. Men are searching everywhere today for things with which they can heal themselves and they ignore the fact that the balm of Gilead is within easy reach. So folks, there is a balm of Gilead, hallelujah. There is a great physician. So don't settle for just coping. How many of us are just coping? How many of us are choosing to numb something instead of going to a healing God? Don't live under the voice that says God has abandoned you. The devil can't take what Christ has won from you, so he tries to convince you that it's not for you. That you are unqualified through failure, or that somehow your disappointments are the proof that you don't belong to God. It's not true tonight. It's not the truth. 
there is something for you. There is something for those things. Yes, you might have been living with them for a long time, but there is still a solution in God. Hallelujah tonight. What is the balm? Gilead was the land just east of the Jordan River. Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh stayed there, and it was known for its healing balms. Scholars have been unable to determine how the balm of Gilead was made, but it seemed to have a soothing aromatic resin made from the tree or plant, possibly the terebinth or the poplar, and it was compared to aloe vera. Now, I really want to go to the heart of the message tonight. What is the spiritual significance of this balm? I want you to think of it. It's a tree. Now, that tree actually came from a long way away. And there was a resin on the inside of it. And to get the resin, they had to cut the tree. And so some, there was healing virtue that flowed from the tree. Hallelujah. Can you tell? I'm not actually talking about a tree right now. Praise the Lord. There was something that had healing properties that came from the tree. Charles Spurgeon said this, the cross was the place of your spiritual birth. It must ever be the spot for renewing your health for it is the sanatorium of every sin sick soul. The blood is the balm of Gilead. It is the only remedy which can heal every spiritual disease. The thing that flows from the tree tonight, hallelujah, the balm, the healing balm, the blood of Jesus is what God prescribes to soothe our soul in failure and disappointment. But how? Let me show you. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 24, speaking, uh, uh, I'll just start here. Speaking of a better word than the blood of Abel, that's the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's what that verse says. The blood speaks to us tonight. So failure and disappointment speak things to us. Failure and disappointment tell us we're forsaken, tell us we're abandoned. But the blood of Jesus that flows from the tree, the balm of Gilead, speaks of higher things. Praise the Lord tonight. The blood speaks of higher things. Oh, glory to God. And so what the blood of Abel spoke to us about judgment, called, called for judgment, spoke of isolation and separation. But the balm of Gilead, the blood of Jesus Christ, talks about reconciliation, peace through God, relationship. Ephesians 2.13 says, we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is the blood of adoption. It's the blood of healing. It is the right that you and I have to call ourselves sons and daughters in the midst of disappointments and failures. What a consolation to the, to, to the soul that's broken over disappointment. What a comfort tonight. Can you hear the blood of Jesus speaking to you, Christian? Can you hear Jesus' blood preaching the adoption to you tonight? You're not forsaken. You're a son. You're not forsaken. You're a daughter. Isn't it amazing? They might have rejected you, but I never will. 
They might have cast you off. I'll never cast you off. I'll never abandon you. I shed my precious blood to redeem you. You are called by my name. You are mine. The blood is the evidence. The blood speaks tonight. Why should I listen to the lower voice of my failure and disappointment, preaching my abandonment, calling me an orphan, when the blood of Jesus calls me a son? Hallelujah. That's the healing in the balm. That's the healing in the blood. It's my reassurance and disappointment, my comfort in failure. God has not abandoned me. It's all right. Thank you, Lord. A better word that soothes the soul. Peace and reconciliation rather than judgment. Listen, our soul, my soul, your soul needs the acceptance of God. We need the healing of belonging. We need to hear that God, we need God, we need to hear God say, I love you and I choose you. And you see it in the blood. Do you hear it in the blood tonight? The blood of my son calls out for your acceptance. Hallelujah. Preaches your belonging. So I will return to the cross because it is a crutch that will not break. It is a crutch it is a coping mechanism that will not fail me. Everything else I lean on will distract me, but not deliver me from that feeling of abandonment and disappointment, that disappointment and failure produces. Does anyone know what that feels like? To feel like God has forgotten you and forsaken you. And to know that Jesus Christ and the cross of Jesus is a constant that I can lean on to keep me assured and comforted no matter what I face. When my soul is wounded, I will meditate on the blood and what it says about me. Amen? The blood speaks of higher things. It speaks of my consolation and my healing. I will meditate on the blood. The last point I want to make tonight is about the great physician. The scriptures say, is there no physician there? And the word physician is Rapha. Rapha. Is there no Rapha there? Look with me at uh, Exodus chapter, I think 15, yes. And I'm going to read verses 25 and 26. The Israelites have been wandering and they come across bitter waters. And Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log some translations say wood. And he cast it into waters and they were sweetened. Then the Lord made for them a statue and an ordinance. And there he tested them saying, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and pay attention to his commands and keep all his statutes, then I will not bring you on you any of the diseases I inflicted on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you Rapha again Jehovah Rapha it can be translated in two ways I am the Lord thy physician hallelujah or I am the Lord that healeth thee God is your healer tonight a great physician in Gilead there resides he's the Holy Spirit praise God the Spirit is the physician let me show you 
In John chapter 16, 14, Jesus says of the Holy Spirit, I, he will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive uh, what he will make known to you. So in other words, he will take what is of me, mine or of me and show it to you or disclose it to you. And that's what's going on here. He'll disclose the log to us. It's right there in Exodus. He'll show us the log, the wood, the cross. And when we cast the cross into the bitter waters of our disappointments and our failures, the waters of Mara will become sweet again. Hallelujah. They'll become sweet again. And the second promise here is this. If you'll listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his eyes and pay attention to his commandments. In other words, if you will surrender to the authority of his word, he will heal and soothe the soul sickness of Egypt. So it's the cross and it's the word tonight. Hallelujah. Psalm 107 verse 17 to 20 says this. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. They loathed all food and drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distresses. Hallelujah. And look at verse 20. He sent out his word and he healed them. Praise God. He rescued them from the grave. Stop trying to numb it. Cry out to your healer. Stop looking for distractions. There's balm in Gilead. Cry out to your healer. And what's his response when we cry out? He sends out his word to heal us. The word of God has healing properties. Can I get an amen tonight? Isn't that wonderful? It does. Submit to it. The call is if you come under the authority of the word, you'll experience healing through the word in your life. Too many Christians make the absence of a word life in their life about the intellect. Oh, there's too many high concepts. I'm not smart enough to grasp the Bible. Can I tell you, the Bible is not, it is not an intellectual problem. Do you know why? William Tyndall promised to get the Bible into the hands of plowboys in the 1700s. Now, I don't care if you only have a junior cert. I bet you're more educated than a plowboy from the 1700s. What a, the issue isn't intellect. The issue with respect to it is pride. God opens his word to those who come under its authority. When we submit to the word, God opens the word up to us. I try to read the Bible. I don't, it's just like... I, I, but we walk around with our anxiety. Just a quick tangent on anxiety. Anxiety is our... Us, well, if you want healing from anxiety, we have to fall out of love with our own opinion. Amen. Fall out of love with your own opinion. That certainty, often certain, rarely right. That certainty that we can experience. 
falling out of love with our opinion, stripping our opinion, our word from its authority and giving God's word its authority back or recognizing the authority that it has is the pathway out of anxiety. I may be wrong. I am not equipped to forecast the future, but I know a God who knows the end from the beginning. I know a God who knows the end from the beginning. He's written my story and he has a good and perfect plan for my life. So why should I forecast doom when his word has forecasted prosperous and, and wonderful plans for you and I? Malachi 40. But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. I thought about that. The cure, the healing. That word healing, it means cure or antidote. It actually can also mean soothing. It's under his wing. The healing is under the wing. It's under the authority. I believe that that's an appeal tonight. There's healing under the authority of God's word. There's healing under the authority of God's word. I'm very quickly going to give you something practical. I'm calling it the rule of four. I'm going to give you the rule of four. Then I'm give, going to give you the rule of three. Then I'm going to get out of here. Sound okay? The rule of four is this. If you read the Bible four times a week, you will experience dramatic drops in many mental health issues. Uh, actually, one of the most astounding uh, statistics is that there's a 56% drop in the use of pornographic material when men are in the Word four times a week or more. But if you are in the Word less than four times a week, the effects of the Word on your life are nominal. They're nominal. Twice a week, three times a week, it's nominal. But there's something about four meaningful times in God's Word. Amen? And the rule of three... The rule of three is this, 10 minutes in God's word, 10 minutes worshiping God, and 10 minutes in prayer, drawing from the balm. You'll see a lot of healing in your life. 10, 10, and 10. I want to conclude by thinking about Jacob just quickly. In Hebrews eleven twenty one, 21, the Bible says that by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. Isn't that interesting? After all Jacob went through, the disappointments, losing Joseph, even the threat of losing Benjamin, after it all, Jacob leaned on his staff and worshipped. The cross, picture of the cross, it never gave way under the weight of his disappointments. When you throw the cross in bitter waters, those waters become sweet and the end of your life will be one filled with worship as you lean on the cross that never gave way under you, never gave way. I will not live with curable wounds in Jesus' name. I will not choose distraction over deliverance. There is a balm in Gilead. There is blood that speaks more graciously, I love that translation, than the voice of failure and disappointment. 
Let the cross be your crutch tonight. Let the cross be how you cope. He has sent his word out to heal you. His word is, is there, accessible, close at hand to heal you. So if you will escape to anything tonight, let it be to the cross again, to his word again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.